And welcome into another edition of the Doug Russell Podcast, Packers pregame edition, coming up at 325 on Sunday. It's the Packers taking on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Tampa Bay 2-0 on the season. Both of their wins coming on the road. The Packers 1-1 after they got beaten up pretty good on opening day by the Minnesota Vikings. They come back and throttle the Chicago Bears on Sunday night football. 27-10 the final score last week. And there were some good trends in that ball game, uh, specifically with the run game. And I know I said this on the air on 97.3, the game, and uh, around the state on the game radio network a couple of times in the last couple of weeks. But, you know, when Matt LaFleur comes out and says, yeah, I think we should have run the ball more uh, against the Minnesota Vikings, I, okay, <laughs> go, go ahead. And that's what they did, and that's what they did really effectively against the Bears. Aaron Jones, 15 carries for 132 yards. You're not always going to average 8.8 yards per carry, but it's not like he ripped off a 100-yard touchdown run or anything like that. His longest run of the day was 36. A.J. Dillon, 18 carries for 61 yards, a little bit more pedestrian, but those were hard-earned yards. And then what I've been talking about, and you'll hear it when I had a chance to catch up with WFRV-TV in Green Bay's sports director, Burt Griffin, and I'll ask him about this uh, in the interview coming up in just a couple of moments, but It's about Aaron Rodgers spreading out the ball, and I liken it to another Hall of Fame quarterback that wore the green and gold for a long time and how he had to learn to be maybe a better quarterback, certainly a more well-rounded quarterback when he had to spread the ball around in a not similar but somewhat similar instance as to when Aaron Rodgers lost his top target in Devontae Adams, but You know, Sammy Watkins, who's not going to play on Sunday. He's got a hamstring injury. But Sammy Watkins had four targets. Almost everybody else had three. I actually asked Aaron about this this week as well. You'll hear that when we hear from Aaron Rodgers and his weekly media availability. But, you know, Aaron Jones, three targets. Randall Cobb, three targets. Christian Watson, three. Romeo Dobbs, three. Alan Lazard, three. A.J. Dillon out of the backfield, three. And I think that what you're going to see for the rest of the season is something probably maybe similar to that. And again, I asked Aaron on Wednesday that very question. You'll hear his answer coming up if you stay with us here on the Doug Russell Podcast. But I did get a chance, as I mentioned, to talk to Channel 5 Sports Director, Channel 5 in Green Bay, WFRV-TV. Uh, longtime friend, Burke Griffin. Known Burke a long time, more than 30 years. We went to UW Oshkosh together. But we began talking about the Packers' recommitment to running the ball in Game 2 after Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon combined for 193 yards on 33 carries against the Bears. When you've got a one-two punch like that with two guys who are very distinctly different runners with you know, talents in a variety of areas, I mean, whether it's catching the football, we saw in the quick little jet sweep toss, Dillon get out there and absolutely blast Roquan Smith into the end zone, and and Jones just waltzes in untouched. I mean, this is a a combination where I think if you do not get them between 25 and 30 touches overall, you're doing something wrong because it's going to take a while with with the passing game. And the younger wide receivers, you got the two old Wiley veterans with, you know, Randall Cobb and Sammy Watkins. And and now that Alan Lazard is back in the mix, it's still going to take some time and you're going to need to rely on that ground game and then maybe open a little play action passing game to one of the tight ends whether it's you know Deguara or you know Tunyon when he gets 
fully back into the mix. But you're right. I think we just saw a brief glimpse of what this team is going to look like for the next six, seven weeks. How difficult do you think that transition is going to be for Aaron Rodgers from going from a pass-first quarterback to maybe more of a run-first type of offense? I would say this. Suck it up and be a team player. You know, I mean, that, that's the bottom line. At this point, if, if, if Aaron really, truly wants to get a ring, it's not about him. It's not about numbers. It's not about fifth MVP. It's about winning ball games and winning the way you can do it. And right now, they're not going to do that uh, based on the arm of Aaron Rodgers. They're going to have to do that by playing consistent defense. Maybe, I don't know, borrow a page from the Eagles last night, the next time they play Justin Jefferson, um, and, and, and find a way to – scheme that up just a little bit better, but but Aaron's going to have to just accept it at this point because if he tries to do it all himself, I don't see it happening. Last Sunday, Bark, one of the things that I liked was when you had 28 and 33 in there at the same time. That seemed to be effective. Yeah, and you run the risk of uh, being a little too predictable, but if there's one thing that Matt LaFleur and his staff have consistently done the past three years is game plan and scheme and come up with different ways to utilize their talent. I, I really like the, uh, whether they're, whether they're doing split back or if they go in I formation, I don't think it really matters. When, when, when you can have your most talented weapons on the field at the same time, it bodes well. You look at the target chart from last week, Sammy Watkins led the way with four targets, but Aaron Jones out of the backfield with three, and then the wide receivers, Cobb three, Watson three, Dobbs three, Lazard three, Tunyon two uh, out of the tight end position, A.J. Dillon three out of the backfield. I liken it to when Brett Favre had to learn how to be a better quarterback. Now, again, granted, different stages of their careers. Brett, when Sterling Sharp got injured, was just getting started as a superstar NFL quarterback. Aaron Rodgers is certainly nearing the tail end of his career. But it forced Brett out of his comfort zone. Do you see any parallels between Brett when Sterling Sharp had to leave because of injury and when Devontae left Green Bay because of the trade? Yeah, I think there's some similarities there. I mean, you had a cast of young wide receivers on the way up in in Robert Brooks and Antonio Freeman and and guys who could carry the team from game to game. But then you also had something that I I would love to see them try to get back to. I don't know if they they can accomplish it this year. But I think when you had Keith Jackson and Mark Chimura, when you had two tight ends that could stretch the field, one guy who could really move the football, and another guy in, in, in Chewy who could get that 12-yard, in-the-seam, tough catch to make a first down, and then you got Jackson running free down the middle for a big game. I, I would love to see a little bit of that with Tunyon and, and DeGuara when all said and done. We know what Mercedes Lewis is and isn't um, at this point of his career, but I think that's the kind of route that they're going to have to go. And similar to Favre, this is where we find out just how good Aaron can be without that go-to guy. I mean, he's had that. I mean, you look at that 2010 season, even with Jermichael Finley getting hurt um, and, and a couple of other guys, whether it was Ryan Grant in the backfield, they had some horses at wide receiver. I mean, Greg Jennings in his prime, Jordy Nelson and James Jones is on the way up, um, and not to mention a wily veteran like Donald Driver. You know, you had four solid guys to throw the football to and I think when Alan Lazard really starts to figure it out you know you've got three and you've got three now with Romeo Dobbs in the waiting 
Burke Griffin from WFRV-TV in Green Bay joining us. Burke, let's talk about the offensive line for a minute. Well, Elton Jenkins wasn't perfect last week. I thought overall he played pretty well for someone who hadn't been out there in almost a year. Yeah, yeah, no, and and I think you heard the emotion a little bit in Matt LaFleur's voice in the post-game press conference right after the game got over with when he singled him out as as one of the main reasons they did what they could do on the offensive side of the ball. Yes, was there some rust, maybe a little tentativeness in, in, in the knee, and, and just real live game action because it's it's different. You cannot simulate. They can say go all out 100% in practice, but it's game speed is a different thing. Now this begs the question, what do you do with David Bakhtiari? Do you have to either cut bait, restructure his contract, or just get him out there and say, look, let's find out on a week-to-week basis what the swelling is going to be and what are the major hurdles and issues on a week-to-week basis for him. At this point, I think Elton's good to go. You, you, don't, you don't mess with it. You leave him at right tackle. You go with who you've got. If you've got to change a few things, I saw we saw. I think we saw a little brief glimpse of what Zach Tom can do. Um, here's a guy who was very versatile in college. You know, played both center and left tackle. He gets thrown into the mix at, at left guard, and you didn't hear his name. And as we all know, that's the bottom line for offensive linemen. You don't hear their name. That's a good thing. How big is Mike Evans' suspension for the game against the Buccaneers? Oh, I think it's huge. Evans is a six-five guy. He's a matchup nightmare. He's a very feisty leader, as we saw this past Sunday. And, I mean, I think that's a huge blow to Tom Brady. I look at it like this. If they could ever pick a better time to go on the road and steal one in Tampa, it's right now. I mean, they got, they got lucky when it came to injuries and the schedule, the way it lays out for them. And, really, if they go down there and win, there's no reason they shouldn't be 6-1 and one as they look down the line and got that Sunday night matchup at Buffalo, which could be just a monumental game. Burke, certainly some defensive improvements from week one to week two. Where do you have Joe Barry's guys graded out after last week's win? I'd give them a B minus. You know, everybody touted them as as a top five group in the NFL going into the season and training camp based on who they had coming back and who they drafted, obviously, in the first round. A couple of guys from Georgia who, you know, Quay Walker is going to make an instant impact. Devontae Wyatt, the the jury remains out there. Um, But I think that they took a a big step forward because they were so, I don't know, out of sync and out of sorts when it came to trying to to guard Justin Jefferson and didn't didn't seem like they had a real solid game plan. And we clearly heard from Jair Alexander afterward um, his true thoughts on the matter. But I think they, they, you know, you got a quarter and a half stretch there where they played absolutely lights out. But then there were a, a few hiccups. Uh, I think Luke Getze, uh, even if you take away that flea flicker for thirty whatever, thirty four yards to EQ, um, I mean, he knew what he was doing, and he exploited them in in three or four different areas on that that first touchdown drive. After that. Packers defense made some adjustments and away they went. From WFRV TV in Green Bay, longtime sports director Burke Griffin had a chance to catch up with him earlier this week. Also had a chance to catch up with longtime Packers pregame host Dennis Krause. And Dennis, who you'll hear starting at 1 o'clock on Sunday on 97.3 The Game in Milwaukee and statewide on the Packers radio network, asking Dennis again about the changing face 
of the Packers offense. With Devontae Adams gone, you could make a strong case. that I'm not including Aaron Rodgers in this, but that Aaron Jones is their best offensive player. And so you better get him a lot of touches. And I think he showed how dynamic uh, he can be in that Bears game on Sunday night. Let's talk about the offensive line for a moment. You looked at the pass blocking that Elton Jenkins was attempting, and he gave up the sack on Aaron Rodgers. His run blocking, I thought, was really, really solid. But both Rodgers and LaFleur talked about it after the game, how important it was for him to make that step to just be out on the field. Both of them were really emotional about it uh, in the postgame news conferences as well. Yeah, LaFleur was so vehement about it. He said he doesn't know if they win the game without Elton Jenkins. And I think it's not like he did a terrible job, but he would be the first to tell you he's knocking some rust off. So then the question turns to, okay, when is David Bakhtiari going to be back? Is it Sunday in Tampa or is it later? And is he going to be the same player he was before all of the knee problems? And and I don't think that was a, a veiled shot that those guys uh, had at Bakhtiari because they love him and they want him back. But I do think that Bakhtiari wants desperately to play. I know that. So it's going to be a matter of when the Packers feel he's ready, and what they don't want is a repeat of what happened in the season finale last year in Detroit where he got out there, I think, 27 snaps. And it probably, looking back at it, was more harm than good. So let's talk about the offensive line, Dennis. We don't know what the long-term prognosis is on David Bakhtiari. We're all hopeful, obviously. But what if he can't go? Are they settled on Yash Nyman at left tackle, or might, in your opinion, they consider moving Elton Jenkins over to the left side from the right side? Well, it's a fair question. They love Nyman. He's a a big man, obviously. Caleb Jones is a developmental guy, huge player, the, the hugest football player I think I've ever seen. Uh, the guy, uh, offensive tackle that they brought up to the active roster last week. But you know, keep your eye on uh, Zach Tom, a draft pick out of Wake Forest that they've moved around on the offensive line a lot. And he is smart, he's versatile, and if pressed into action at a tackle position, which I've, I've seen him do in practice, uh, he can do it. So th- these are contingencies. Uh, roads they don't want to go down. I think if they had their way for the majority of the 17 games, it'll be Bakhtiari and Jenkins a tackle. But you have to be prepared for any eventuality, and I think it's it's no coincidence that they're not putting any timetables on Bakhtiari because I think they feel they were burned somewhat last year by constantly bringing up timetables that were either fluid or didn't work out. And so they are shying away from that this year. I, I think every week on the injury reports, that's where my eyes go is, okay, is this the week that Bakhtiari comes back? Uh, but I, I think right now they're playing it very cautious with him, and I think that's smart. Defensively, how much of a concern do you have when you look at David Montgomery averaging over eight yards per carry? I have a concern about it because, I mean, let's just lay it out there. The Bears are not very good, and, and particularly in the passing game. So if you basically know a run is coming and you still have problems with it, so that fast-forward us to the Buccaneers game. Leonard Fournette is is a talented running back. Uh, Where it comes into play for Sunday is if the Buccaneers feel their best way to run the game, uh, with the game is to run the ball, uh, you're going to see a lot of Leonard Fournette and that Packers run defense had better be ready. You look at Brady and Rodgers, and I know, obviously, they don't play against each other, but combined, 
They've got almost 1,100 touchdown passes between the two of them. Historically speaking, that's pretty significant for Sunday afternoon's game. Yeah, and I know that they'll both probably downplay it, Doug, by saying essentially what you did. They're not playing against each other. Um, and Rodgers has correctly noted that if you're just looking at Super Bowl wins, I mean, it's not close. Brady is the guy that has more Super Bowl wins. Now, who would you rather have on Sunday? Would you rather have a 45-year-old Tom Brady, who is still pretty good but not at his peak, or would you have, rather have Aaron Rodgers, who you can say is past his peak, but he is the two-time reigning MVP? Dennis, we're just two weeks in, and already it's been a weird season in the North. The Vikings look like Super Bowl contenders after hammering the Packers. Then they get routed in Week 2. The Bears beat a team that was in the NFC Championship game a year ago, only to be hammered by the Packers. The Packers obviously up and down in their first two games. And then there's the Lions. Might they be better than the Bears at this point? Uh, I think the Lions are better than the Bears. Uh, Whether the Lions are better than the Packers, I don't think so. And I know Philadelphia had the advantage of watching the game one tape. But they had their way, you know, with Ed Donatel's defense. And Kirk Cousins, who's now, I believe, 2-10 and on Monday nights, did not perform nearly as well against the Eagles as he did against the Packers. They had Darius Slay, who contained Justin Jefferson. So the Eagles kind of had their way with the, the, the Vikings, which leads me to be concerned, quite honestly, because I know that you can't necessarily deduce from one week to the next, well, because the Eagles romped the Vikings Are the Eagles that much better than the Packers? You can't necessarily go there because each week is its own entity. I get that. But how they beat the Vikings and what they did to the Vikings concerns me a little bit. Well, then you look at the balance of power in the NFC. Conventional wisdom said, well, the Rams are the defending NFL champions, the defending Super Bowl champions. The 49ers, they were in the NFC championship game a year ago. The Packers are always there. The Buccaneers, even without Rob Gronkowski, they still have a formidable team, a veteran-laden team, but still a formidable team. Now Philadelphia is kind of coming through. I mean, I know we're only a couple of weeks into the season, but how do you look at the balance of power in the NFC? Well, I think you're right to put the Buccaneers in the discussion because even if you think Brady's in decline, which I think would be a, a natural assumption, they are 2-0 and with their wins coming on the road. <laughs> okay, so you can't sneeze at what they've done, winning in Dallas and New Orleans already before they come from their, for their home opener on Sunday against the Packers. Are they winning a different way? Yes, largely on defense. And I think in some ways they're probably going through a similar metamorphosis that the Packers are in the sense that I don't think the Buccaneers are necessarily going to win this year because of Tom Brady. They're going to win because of the other elements they have, including a strong defense, which is a defense that turned the Saints over several times on Sunday and that led to that win uh, in New Orleans. Longtime Packers radio pregame show host Dennis Krause, who again, uh, his show starts at 1 o'clock on Sunday. Packers preview on 97.3, the game in Milwaukee and statewide on the Packers radio network. All right, the Packers taking on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers on Sunday. You look at the injury report, and four players listed as questionable. I already mentioned that Sammy Watkins is out because of a hamstring injury. Then there's David Bakhtiari. Whether or not he's able to come back or not, officially he's listed as questionable, as is Randall Cobb, as is Mercedes Lewis, as is Christian Watson. But... You know what the storyline in this game is going to be, and the storyline is going to be Rodgers versus Brady. And as we were talking about with Dennis Krause a couple moments ago, 
No, they're not playing against each other, but the fact that these two players are two of the five best quarterbacks in NFL history, and I think that just about any NFL historian would say that. So it is significant that this, at least in the regular season, is probably the last time that these two players, these two generational singular talents, are ever going to meet on the football field again. Again, they may meet in the, in the playoffs. They've done that once before in the NFC Championship game a couple of years ago, and that's when Tom Brady went on to win his seventh Super Bowl championship. But the two of them do have a friendship. They do have, a, obviously, a mutual relationship and uh, a mutual respect for each other. And Tom Brady was asked about that earlier this week. Yeah, for sure. He's an amazing player. Has been for a long time. So I love watching him play. And, uh, you know, he's from California, too. So I feel like we always have a little bit of a connection. He's an older guy now. Um, he's been a great player in the same place for a long time. So there definitely has some challenges with that. And, um, but he's navigated them pretty well. And. He's done a great job, leads the team, and, you know, they've won a lot of games since he's been there, you know, and I knew Brett pretty well. You know, those two guys are pretty, two great quarterbacks for a long period of time in one place. He said he doesn't want to play until age 45. Does he think if he had a change of heart that he'd be able to physically? I don't know. It's up to him. Tom, there's been a lot of talk in Green Bay just with Aaron Rodgers and having young receivers, new receivers, what his responsibility is to bring them along. I'm curious to get your take. Do you believe that's kind of a fair expectation of quarterbacks now? I think every, you know, it's, it's a good question. You know, what's your responsibility as a quarterback? Um, I'm sure it's different for all quarterbacks, what their responsibilities are. So I think as an older player, you know, you've got to, it, it really comes down and speaks to ultimately what the goal is to win the game and to win the game, you got to score points. And this goes back to a lot of things we talked about. How do you score points with young receivers? I don't know, man. A lot of it's up to the young receivers, what they're able to do. You know, I've been in situations with a lot of young players, and it's a challenge because, you know, they don't have the experience, but maybe they have a lot of other things. So we're all challenged, you know. It's, I think that's just the reality of playing sports and being in football. Every team is challenged with different things, and some guys have young, let's say, receivers, but veteran secondaries. Some teams have a veteran receivers and a young secondary or you may have a veteran secondary and young linebackers. I mean, not a lot of teams are going to have veterans at every position that are healthy all year. So you just got to try to keep managing it the best way you can. If you're the quarterback, you know, try to figure out how to win the game because that's why we're all here. Future Hall of Fame quarterback Tom Brady talking about his counterpart on Sunday, Aaron Rodgers. Now, Aaron meets the media, the local media, for about 15 to 20 minutes every Wednesday at his locker. I am in that media scrum so we thought we'd uh, bring you his comments in their entirety here on the Doug Russell Podcast. You threw number 450 last week. Um, I guess I'll have a second question, but this first one is, does that milestone mean anything to you, that you're the one five now in that boat? This means I've played a long time. Feels good. That's a lot of touchdowns. So, Sunday so you, night- are, you are close now. I mean, you, you talked, I think, to Rob a couple years ago about getting to 500. With less than 100 now, um, mm-hmm. does that become more real that you're within shouting distance of 500 now? Need 50 and 5, I think, right? 49 and 5? Yeah, so 5 would keep me under 100. Yeah, that'd be a good stretch of ball to get to that. Um, see if I play that long. See if I get there. You, speaking of playing along, on, on Brady's birthday, I think somebody asked you if you'd play at 45. You said no, no. Why did you say that, and what would you think you would be like if you were playing at 45? 
I won't be. I'll be doing something else. Uh, I have a lot of other interests outside the game. The game's been really, really good to me. I feel like I've given my all to the game. At some point, it'll be time to do something else. And I strongly believe that'll be before 45. As a guy who's gone through this crucible and, and knows what it is to advance to this stage that most quarterbacks don't even get to in, in, in their career, what impresses you the most about what he's been able to do with his longevity? Well, this consistency where you're still playing at a high level and there's you know, not that drop off. I think every great player fears you know, turning into a real below average player on the way out. I don't think anybody wants to really hang on. And maybe there's some guys that just want to get another year or maybe they're on a team where they can do a lot less. But when you've achieved at a high level for a long time, you try and stay there as long as you can. Is he a guy that has had no drop off in your eyes? I mean, is he the same guy that he was 10 years ago? Well, he's probably better mentally and and slightly regressed physically. You know, he takes care of himself incredibly, but but you know, at age, I'm sure 45, he might feel better, be more pliable, but uh, definitely different than at 30. But the consistency has been there uh, every year of his career. Are you feeling nostalgic at all? This may indeed be the final time that you and Tom Brady and your teams can talk against one another. Not really. Uh, I have a lot of respect for the history of the game and my part in it. And the game will keep going long after Tommy and I are done playing. Yeah, the defense is fantastic. You got two great guys inside. You got a great front. You got a really solid, great back end. And great guy calling it. So, recipe for a lot of potential of. Uh, Stopping people consistently. They've been doing that this season. I think they're first in sacks and six turnovers they forced. Uh, 13 points, I believe, total. So they've really had a nice start to the season. Are they doing much differently from the last time you faced them? Do they look much different? They always kind of look similar as far as the front's going to change, the pressures are going to change, the looks are you know, going to be a lot. Uh, there's a lot of different things they throw at you. Um, but they're always adapting and depends on personnel. You see Winfield now playing the slot uh, where they've had, uh, you know, Murphy Bunning was playing some, some nickel for him. Uh, but he's done a great job. He can play anywhere. You know, he's reminds me a lot of his dad uh, in, in a lot of ways. You know, he's talented at multiple positions, can play in the slot, can catch the ball, can cover, can tackle, you know, just like his dad, can hit. Well, he's, he's a special player. Yeah, I think I met him probably, I don't know, 13, 14 years ago. And there was a stretch there where we'd see each other every year at the Derby consistently when he would bring his group, I would bring my group. We'd kind of sit, you know, at adjoining tables, and it was always fun catching up there. The last couple of years has been fun at the match to be able to spend time together. Um, we keep in touch, you know, pretty frequently, I would say, during the season. And then obviously we're both kind of doing our own thing in the off seasons. But, yeah, a lot of respect and it's nice to, uh, it's been a nice friendship. Are those conversations you have football or do you talk about anything? But uh, well, it's a lot of football with Tommy, but uh, a lot of non-football with me. So we balance each other out well. <laughs>
Sunday night, uh, he hit Sammy on the big 55-yarder. Jones gets 15 yards, and then you get to that drive, and you're not able to finish. You have to go for the field goal. I mean, look, my sense was you were pretty frustrated. You wanted to check. You didn't need that to win for the win, but my sense was you really wanted to convert in that red zone. So what happened on that drive? Yeah, we called a timeout on third down instead of getting out of the huddle a little quicker. We had a really good play called that had a high percentage of being a touchdown. And we just didn't give ourselves enough time to get that play called. Came back with a similar play on the, the next third down after the timeout, and they played a different coverage. And and I, you know, kind of got off of it. But Allen ran a good route, so I was just disappointed we didn't get seven there. But took it to a three-store game and put the game out of reach. Is there any difference between a driver moving the chains for ten plays, or one where you have a huge explosive play and then you sort of reset for the red zone? Does that make it any different? Not necessarily. You know, it's when you hit a big chunk play, I think you maybe expect the percentage of scoring a touchdown in that situation to go up. But that was nice. I mean, I enjoyed uh, the call there. Sammy ran a great route. I threw a tight wobbler that, you know, didn't slow him down too much. And uh, that was good to get some points and get out of our own shot of our goal line. Obviously, the big stop by our defense and then put the game away. What impact does the weather in Florida this time of year have on the team from the north? I mean, this is the best weather in Green Bay this time of year. You know, we usually get a little bit of uh, humidity during the day, and it cools off at night. Uh, be a little warmer down in Tampa, I'm sure. But, uh, yeah, we'll be fine. Dave hasn't played in a long time. You probably know better, obviously, than us if this is the week or not. But Yasha's played pretty well for you in, in that time. What's the difference right now from what you guys get from Yasha when he's on the field and what you guys can conceivably get from Dave if this is the week or whenever he, he does return? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I'm not sure where he's going to be at. Uh, you know, percentage-wise, not just physically but mentally. But when he's back, he, you know, he's a minimum a top three left tackle in the league. And Yash has played really well for us. But you know, there's a reason Dave gets paid what he gets paid, and he's been a first-team uh, All-Pro many times. What, what things are you able to do as a quarterback with a top three left tackle? No, I'm not going to get into that. Aaron, how tough is it to play in Tampa? What are some of the challenges you faced there in the past? The field has been in not great shape many times. Uh, they get a lot of play on that field and sometimes there's some seams and different side. Uh, you know, there's been uh, some injuries there over the years. But last time we played there, I felt like it was in better condition, so hopefully it's in the same condition. Last year was week three when we first saw Yash San Francisco now a year later. Where, where, is, where is he compared to where he was? Well, I think just confidence-wise. But he's always steady, very steady guy. He never gets too high or too low. Uh, the fun things that we saw last year was you know, him bringing the robot out and the personality start to come out a little bit. And I think you saw that as he got more comfortable. But, um, but he's always been real easy going and, and steady and stoic. And you don't really worry a whole lot about him. What's the biggest thing you've kind of learned about Sammy since having him as a teammate versus just watching his game from an outsider's perspective? I mean, look, I, I knew of Sammy and I watched him a little bit, but I, I didn't have a real familiarity with him. So I didn't have any expectations or projections when he came in. And he's just come in and been a fantastic teammate and a great guy and real deep thinker and interesting guy and, and interest outside of football and very well-spoken and curious and just a fantastic guy. I, mean, I loved our conversations together. 
He loves ball. He cares about it. He realizes how special this opportunity is for him. And we want him to have success and, and to be able to, you know, to this be a trampoline for the rest of the second half of his career. Aaron, you've always taken great care of the ball. Uh, is that something that on a weekly basis you talk with your teammates about each and every week? And when you play a team like the Bucks, it's so good at taking away uh, the ball. Does that pervade those conversations anymore? Yeah, I mean, it's just been a part of the way I've played. And every coach is always going to talk about the turnover ratio and that being an important part of winning football games. So it's always talked about. But this team, as well as anybody, does you know the peanut punch really well. And they're swarming around the football, and they fly around sideline to sideline, and they've obviously had six takeaways so far in two games. So it's going to be important the last couple games we played down there. We've turned the ball over a bunch, and they haven't, and that's why they won. With Elton back last week, did you sense any rust from the, the, the layoff from him, or was it just like he went right back in where he left off? Um, you know, I think he would say maybe you know there's some things he can clean up, but just the fact that he was out there to me was a win and success, and I'm really proud of him. And I think with each week, you'll probably feel a little bit more comfortable. With the way Aaron Jones ran last week, do you anticipate it, maybe not this week, but at some point that defenses are really like, really going to stack the box to try to, to make you guys do something else? I hope so. so yeah, I'd love to see some one-high stuff. I mean, the league has been so much too high the last few years. I'd love to see some one-high, so that'd be great. I was going to ask you that. Have you seen, because you, the passing has been so good for so long, have you seen much of that ever? Hmm. teams daring you to actually throw the football? There's a few times, I think, over the years. You know, 15 and 18, I feel like, were a couple years where we saw a little bit more one-eye. Uh, it was nice when the Seattle trend was going on and six or seven teams were in that defense because that's all one-eye. It's very, very little too high. But now it's this other style of defense from the Rams, and it's a lot of too high. So uh, you've seen the run game come back. The fullback position might make a resurgence, you know, the... Who's going to be the next John Kuhn of the world? We'll, we'll see. But, but yeah, there's been a lot more too high the last few years. Is Jones the type of back at this stage in his career where even if you get that one high look and they load the box, that you need to make sure he's getting his carries even if it's not the ideal look? Well, one high shouldn't take you out of running the football. You know, it's just there's certain plays where you might have to leave a corner, you know, or leave the backside guy uh, on the unblocked and that's just part of it so look it, it doesn't stop us from running the football it just changes some of the schematics uh, you know either to the front side or the back side of the run if we're going to leave the back side in an outside zone or front or the front side corner on, on more of an uh, inside run so it doesn't really change a whole lot but you know we would assume some more one-on-one -on -one stuff outside things that go into it, whether it's the offensive line play, guys getting open, you holding the ball longer than maybe you should, but do you think you've taken too many hits in the first two games, and what are you going to do about it if you think that's the case? I've taken a few hits. Yeah, I think the first game, way too many hits. Last week, you know, I don't know how many of those are avoidable. Uh, would not like that to be the standard. So we got to, you know, we got to get open on time. Ball's got to come out on time. And hopefully we can clean some of that stuff up. I mean, I'm assuming I might take some shots this week. They're blitzing defense. There'll be some opportunities for some, uh, you know, some hot adjustments, some side adjustments. Could be some free runners. But I got to deal the ball on time this week and make sure not letting them uh, get in, get some momentum with sacks. My memory is wrong on this, but like in 18, there, there seemed to be a lot of times where 
you didn't have anywhere to go with the ball. How much of a component is that this time? And, and is there anything, even though it was different offenses, that you can take from that time? Because it doesn't seem like the last three years there's been a lot of instances. That was as many throwaways I think I've ever had in my career that year in 18. I mean, it was, I think, over 70 as far as the numbers that we counted up. Uh, wouldn't you know like to be at that anywhere near that number. Don't think we're going to with this offense. It's just uh, we have to clean the timing up, you know, on some of the route concepts so we're getting open at the right time. And and then I'm just trusting some of the windows and throwing it through through those windows. In the post game the other day, you talked about the parallels of the start to this season and last year with the North games and going on the road for a tough matchup. Yeah. What, what, you talked last year about what the Niners would have meant to you. What do you think a win in this type of environment could do for a young team in this conference? Well, I think it's it, it's really important for our defense, you know, to, to come out and have a, a real solid performance um, on the road and set the tone for us. And offensively, we have to take care of the football and and be methodical at times if we have to be, and high high completion percentage, and then be able to run the ball. You know, this is a stout defense, but uh, you know we have the right concepts and the right schemes to to move the ball against anybody. A lot of times we just get in our own way, and that's what we've done too many times in the first two weeks. So there's a lot of confidence to be gained on both sides. As a team, there's nothing better than a you know big win on the road and that post game flight. Definitely, yeah. It, it comes back around. Some things that go out of fashion will come back around uh, in a couple of years or five years or even ten years. So I'm always trying to recycle some old concepts and different things. But this is how this is how it goes. You know, you've seen the elimination of the fullback at times. You've seen teams go a lot of 11 personnel stuff. Then in the, you know the uh, you know quick stuff, and now you're seeing teams really try and stack their Frontline rushers play a lot of two shell on the back end. That's going to make teams want to run the ball more, more 12 personnel, more 21 personnel. Fullback role is going to, you know, come back in the offense for a little bit. Then what's going to happen to that? And then a one high scheme is going to come along and going to be the fad in the NFL. Somebody's going to win it with a one high scheme. And then here we go back again, back to the 11 personnel, back to the speed. Uh, and and round and round we go. Do you have a favorite memory of either playing with Tom on the opposite sideline or your time away from him off the field? I enjoyed beating him in 2014. <laughs> that was fun. Enjoyed winning a match with him in 2022. Uh, yeah, he's a, he's a great competitor. So you enjoy, enjoy watching him play, enjoy the years of you know, memories watching. You know, we've played a few times over the years, but uh, a lot of respect for his game and, and what he's accomplished in this league. It's hard to find the right words. Aaron, uh, last week Sammy led the way with four targets. There were a bunch of other guys who had three. Do you anticipate that being the distribution of uh, targets? Sure. I don't. I mean, I don't know. It just depends on how teams going to play us and and what we dial up. You know, we had. A pretty efficient night throwing the football, and then we also had a bunch of carries. So uh, it just depends on what opportunities are out there. We only threw it 25 times. We called 29 passes, I believe. So uh, 
you know, it's not going to be a ton of options uh, for, especially without 17 here, for a guy getting, you know, maybe more than five or six in that situation. But if we're throwing it 35 times and we're up against it a little more on third down, then we might have, uh, you know, more opportunities for guys to get more than three or four targets. Two more for Aaron, in 2015, you threw a tablet in Carolina. I know Tom Brady has thrown a couple in the last Tossed, week. yeah, tossed. Toss, you did toss. Front toss, yeah. It's mad at Scott. That? He was and gloating and about. As a quarterback, how often are you tempted to toss at Microsoft? Tempted? Oh, shoot, all the time. <laughs> Actually do it? You know, I've done it once. Um, not the tablet's fault, but it's hard to remind yourself that in the, in the moment. What did you think of Tom's form on his tablet? I didn't see it. I, yeah, I didn't see it. Yeah, didn't see it. Done it only once or um, only had the cameras? No, did I, I have just, I've tossed it to where it's hit the ground only one time. I might have tossed it, you know, to one of the guys who holds on to it, but I've only tossed it once, and it wasn't an intent to smash it. It was just, get away from me. <laughs> and was it damaged on that one? I don't think so. so yeah, no, I think it's... Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to give it any more free advertising, but I don't think I threw it hard enough for any damage to happen to it. Packers quarterback Aaron Rodgers speaking at his locker earlier this week. He meets with the media every Wednesday for about 15 to 20 minutes, and I'm almost always in that media scrum, so I thought we'd bring it to you right here on the Doug Russell Podcast. All right, that'll do it for this edition of the show. Enjoy the Packers game. It's the Packers and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers kickoff at 325 on Sunday. You can listen to it on 97.3 The Game in Milwaukee or on the statewide Packers radio network. We would encourage you to do so, even if you're watching it on television. Turn the sound down. Listen to Wayne Larrabee and Larry McCarron. Those are the guys that you want to listen to anyway. We'll talk to you coming up uh, this coming week. We'll have a recap of the Packers and the Buccaneers uh, right here on the Doug Russell Podcast. Have a great weekend, everybody.